of Founders Talk, episode number 48. I'm your host, Adam Stachowiak. This show features in-depth, one-on-one conversations with founders. You can tune in live to this show on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on 5x5. And today, I'm joined by Kevin Delaney. Kevin is the founder of Charity Hack. It's a simple concept that takes five amazing charities and the most talented people you can find to create innovative fundraising campaigns for those charities. And Kevin, you got a, a fun story behind you anyway, so uh, welcome to the show. Let's, let's, uh, let's dive right in. All right, let's go for it. So, Kevin, um, I, I guess I stumbled upon you just recently through a tweet from somebody I met at a recent conference I went to called LessConf. Um, obviously, I'm kind of in the space of charity since I work at Pure Charity. And primarily, um, I love love the idea of what you're doing. So I, I had to have you on the show. But for those who do not know who you are and they're just meeting you for the first time today here on the show, how do you introduce yourself? Um, I guess the easiest way to introduce myself is like I'm on my Twitter handle, which is a professional fundraiser and amateur everything else. Um, my day job is with the um, Irish Cancer Society, which is very similar to the American Cancer Society. And I run the Relay for Life program in Ireland, which I know everybody um, is well familiar with in America, but it's only it's only fledgling in Ireland. So that, that's my nine to five or whatever time I get home at. Um, and then, as I said, Char- Charity Hack is uh, my new evening project. Um, just to try and give some smaller charities a, a leg up the ladder. You said just before the show officially began that your last name is in fact not Magic. What, what's the backstory on that? <laughs> okay, well, um, yeah. So my so my Twitter handle is is Kev Magic, and um, it, having a name like Kevin Delaney, um, it's there's, so, there's a lot of Kevin Delaneys out there. So you can never get an email, or you can never get anything with Kevin Delaney. Um, and it's so many years ago, well, many years ago, uh, 10 years ago, um, I, had a, I had a company, a, a theater production company with a friend of mine, um, basically helping out amateur theater groups. And we called it Magic and Mayhem. And people used to just start, people just started calling me Kev Magic, like, so as opposed to the it stuck. Mayhem. So it just stuck. And people think that I think I'm magic. I don't. But it, it, it's, an easy to, it's easy to remember. And it, it's now what I go by. So you said Kev, Kevin Delaney is not easy to get for various emails or different, yeah. I, I guess, social usernames. Is Kev Magic a little easier? It is, yeah. I've, I've got it on nearly everything. I've managed to get Kev Magic or, or some variation. Well, on, on Skype, it's Kev Magic 2000. So I hope there's not 2000 Kev Magics out there. Uh-oh. Yeah, we, we don't <laughs> want that. Uh, 2000 might be just too many. We'd have all sorts of other charity hacks out there, so... Exactly. Bad. Now, you mentioned that uh, your day job is at the Irish Cancer Society and you run the program called Relay for Life. Mm-hmm. What, um, I guess, kind of give us some backstory to, to where, I guess, your journey began. It seems like charity is obviously pretty close to your heart. Where did some of this begin for you? Yeah, okay. Well, um, it's a roundabout story, really. I went to uh, college to study physics. Um, because I always have been a little bit creative and a little bit technical, I guess is always what I've kind of classed myself as. So when I was looking at colleges, I was deciding whether I wanted to go and do film studies or broadcasting. And then I had an actual physics teacher in, in high school who really inspired me because he was just really creative and imaginative. And I kind of liked the technical side. So I went off to study physics. Um, and obviously I, and I love physics. I love science. I love the, you know, the digging into what, why things are the way they are. But there's a level when you're studying at a university level where um, you just don't care 
about it in that much detail. Um, it's okay to know broadly what's going on, but when you keep digging and digging and digging, it just got to the stage where it wasn't it wasn't for me anymore. At the same time, I got drawn into uh, theatre. Um, with the drama society or the drama club in in college and I got involved in the producing of shows and uh, concerts and plays and things like that and I guess I really just uh, fell in love with the um, enjoyment that other people could get from the work that I was doing Um, so um, you know that became all of all my whole life I failed my um, undergraduate degree I left college um, thinking that I'm no future myself, uh, no future um, ahead of me, and I've been really involved in entertainment or events or something since then. Um, and the, the theatre has played a kind of big part in that. I've, I ended up in New Zealand, um, looking uh, promoting a city as a cool place for students to go to. I worked for the Arts Council of Ireland. Um, and then eventually, when I just come back from New Zealand, I saw a job with the Irish Cancer Society that was a ten-week contract, and I'm there five years later. Um, <laughs> That's always got, fun twist of fate, right? There is, but it's 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 all kind of linked. It's just because one of the great things is a fundraiser, and, and I've been a community fundraiser that whole time. So I get to work. I'm I'm really face to face with. Um, our supporters and the amazing things that they do and the kick I get out of it as well as the as the work that we get to fund is the, the joy that someone who really cares about cancer and, and making a difference and the, the joy that they get out of the difference they're making and that's the buzz in it for me. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the, the, long, the, the long version of a short story. So you said you failed. What, what was the degree you failed at? Physics. I was physics. doing, a, uh, yeah, a sing, I guess it would be a single major in physics. I, I don't um, like to I, too I, much I highlight on the fails, but um, <laughs> I think the important thing that I try to do on this show, at least when we encounter some of the fails, is is talk about lessons learned from failure. So I, I guess I guess kind of your twist of fate with um, you know the Irish Cancer Society and, and finding that opportunity, and it's only a, a short temporary thing, but you know, there's some previous experience there with, you know, trying to achieve goals and for some reason not quite getting there. What was what was it that got in your way? Was it a, a derailment or was it just purely couldn't focus on things? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be the first to, to um, admit that I'm not a I'm not a great studier. I'm not a great focused kind of person. I'm very much more um, excitable and ideas focused. So I guess that the the study environment didn't suit me, and I probably picked the wrong um, <laughs> the wrong direction to go in. And it, maybe if I had done science education or something like that instead of pure physics, then maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation. But as you as you say, fate. Fate jumps in and you, you grab the opportunities that come in front of you and see where that road leads. And uh, so far, so good. I've, I've got a great life, so um, I'm not complaining. Now, you describe yourself as a – it's kind of fast-forwarding a little bit, but you describe yourself as a professional fundraiser. At, at what point did you decide to put that title against yourself? Um, yeah, well, that's an interesting one. Again, um, I'll, very, I, I studied um, – well, actually, I did a certificate in fundraising through work, um, you know, professional qualification in that. And I remember one of the professors saying um, at the time, hands up how many people in this room, I think there was maybe 30 people doing the course, have the word fundraiser in their job title. 
Um, and I happened to at the time. I was a community fundraiser. But so many people who are in the fundraising business uh, don't have that in their title. They're development officers or they're um, support or care. Or they're all different titles because for some reason um, – People, you know, people in fundraising think that maybe it's not something that we should be really proud of. Um, so I guess that was when I decided that I was very proud of being a fundraiser and that it is my profession and that, uh, you know, it's something that everyone I work with should be proud of. So I've kind of started a very small campaign to make a, to make a statement that, yes, I'm a professional fundraiser and I'm, I'm damn proud of it. So I guess... Not quite elusive there, but digging in a little bit further, what what does it mean to be a professional fundraiser? Like, what are some of the things you do? Um, well, I guess, um, well, I mean, in my, my actual day, to, my job is um, running the Relay for Life program, which um, for anybody who's, who doesn't know, and there's not that many, it's a, a 24-hour event um to um fight cancer um remember the people who've been lost to cancer and to celebrate the lives of people who've actually come through at the and are living on the other side so i run that program and basically it's my job to um find community leaders volunteers with a passion for um the fight against cancer and train them up facilitate them to um, bring Relay, to, Relay for Life to their community um, so that their community can say, we've had, enough about we've had enough of this cancer, it's taken too many people in our community and we want to do something about it. So I guess um, it's when I say about that and from a professional point of view, I don't mean that in that I get paid for it, which I do, but also that how we manage that program and how we support those volunteers is done in a really professional way and that we're doing it in a methodical way and that we're taking care over why we're doing it and we're looking at doing things the very best way we can and that just because we're in a charity sector you know good enough is not good enough and we want it to be the best that it possibly can be now you'd, you'd mentioned that the 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 opportunity you found with the Irish Cancer Society was a temporary or what you thought might have been a temporary gig. Can you give the backstory on kind of how you stumbled upon that? Maybe you want the job description read. Do, sure. Can you remember that? Oh, I don't know if I can remember that. But I, at the time, I had just come back from working in New Zealand. I was, I had no job. I was, you know, look, did, you know, literally doing temporary work day to day while I was looking for a job. And I saw a job for a community fundraiser, a 10-week contract with the Irish Cancer Society, and I had never worked in the actual pure charity sector before. I'd done a lot of nonprofit stuff, but in that kind of pure um, cause-related um, work, I'd never done anything. But I read the job description and it said um, experience in event management, in marketing, um, and I just kind of I just threw in a CV. And as it as it happens, I guess. My background was a little bit similar to the, the um, head of fundraising at the time, who was uh, Jill Clark, an, uh, an American, a New Yorker, who actually has moved back to New York at this, this stage. But she had come from a theatre background herself. She, she'd actually come and had been working in New York um, fundraising for theatres. So I guess when she saw my CV and saw that I was interested in theatre and events and that kind of thing, that maybe she said... There's a little bit of me and this guy. Um, 
And I guess she figured it was a 10-week contract and it was a 10-week contract because their big campaign, which is Daffodil Day, um, the big, was due in kind of eight weeks and they were short a body and they needed to fill it quickly. So they, they were offering this contract. And I remember my first day in work, I was brought, brought around and I introduced the team and then I was um, Jill point me to my desk and just said, do something. And that was my that was my introduction, and that was my induction. Was there's your desk, so do something. Um, but so I guess I did, um, and I've I learned a huge amount from her and, and the rest of the team there, just about you know looking after volunteers, and encouraging them, inspiring them, you know, letting them achieve what they want to achieve. Um, so yeah, ten weeks has become over five years now. Over five years. Well, I was just about to ask you what was the what was the years on that. So over five. Yeah, I started in February of whatever five years ago. It's it's just yeah. So I've just passed my five year anniversary. Well, that's pretty cool. So what are some of the? You said you you've been enjoying it and you've learned lots of stuff. Can you can you kind of expand on things that you learn? I mean, I think it's kind of neat how your story pieces together too, because like you had said. Uh, you know, you, you turn your CV, it, it sounds like you didn't really expect to get a call back or it was just kind of, yeah. I mean, just kind of put it out there. I was and, firing it out everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And you kind of, and it seems like before that you were, uh, you're dabbling in physics and theater and we talked about, you know, your fallout with physics and why that might not have fit perfectly with you. And then it seems like you're, you really have an enjoyment for entertaining others. And that, that totally makes sense the way you said your CV kind of align with or parallel with her and yeah. the way she ran things because that's – I think part of fundraising is collecting people, organizing people, but it's not just a bland topic. It has to be entertaining, right? I mean I think that's kind of oh, part of it. Absolutely. I mean one of the – one of my passions particularly in um, community fundraising, with, you know, as I say, it's very much face-to-face with people is to try and um, connect on a personal level with people. So one, what I've learned to do or what I've thought myself is, I guess it's the ability to sit, to sit across the coffee table from somebody who may have, in, in the cancer you know, scenario, may have lost a, a wife or a husband and to be able to connect with them and have, that, have a conversation with them that can be very painful for them but to show the, but to kind of get through to them that you know what what you're doing for the Irish Cancer Society when you're fundraising for us is making sure that someone else isn't going to feel the pain that you're feeling right now, um, and that we we can make this make this big difference, um, and to be able to you know personally to be in the privileged position to be in someone's front room and have those conversations is not something that I ever thought would be possible in my career um and then there's the other side of it where as a you know i guess back in the professional sense when you to stand up in front of a room of 50 people or or more to be able to tell a story about why i you know um we're doing relay for life or why i'm passionate about it and to let people share their stories and bring them together as a group. I mean, that's, it's a huge privilege. It's a skill. And, and I, like, I, I understand that too, but it's a huge privilege for me to be able to do that. And I think that's something that I will, um, that I have the Irish Cancer Society to thank for, you know, enabling me to develop. When you say, 
uh, things like community fundraisers. Can you give me an example of like what one of those looks like or what that what that means when you say community fundraisers? So a, a community fundraiser are the people who um, organize the walks across their city, you know, or they decide that they want to sit in a tin of, in a bath full of beans for 24 hours. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, it's the people who want to do something themselves. They, they kind of say, I, I care about this cause. I'm going to do something about it. They don't necessarily sign up to a set program. So that's what we kind of call community fundraisers so i guess the, you, you're really you're, you're getting to work with really passionate people who have got real kind of get up and go so when, that's uh, when uh, someone gets when someone i guess gets the the nerve to do one of those things like what kind of avenues do you see out there that i mean you're obviously doing something with, with really for life and that's something you run but mm-hmm. i'm wondering uh for for the average person who you know for example you know, is uh, upset about cancer, has a loved one who's uh, passed away to cancer or whatever, you know, pick your cause, pick your illness, pick your, pick your fight. How does someone go about like standing up in the name of that for that cause? What are some things you see out there that, um, that they can use to do that? Is it online? Is it local? What tools are available? I think, yeah. I mean, there, there are, there are so many tools. There are, you know there are the online fundraising tools, and and there are there every organization has kind of a has local fundraising teams. But I guess it's one area, and it's a huge passion of mine within the fundraising area is that community fundraising is really underdeveloped. Um, if you if I was talking to you that I ran um, direct mail campaigns or uh, TV fundraising campaigns, I could quote your research on response rates and how to get people passionate. But there's nobody does that in a community fundraising uh, area because um, basically there's no fundraising agencies working there. So there's no investment in research and things like that. So uh, what I actually think is that a lot of organizations are missing out on on a huge and very powerful movement of people to actually, as you say, get these people who, no matter what their cause is, if they really care about um, dogs and their welfare of dogs, that those those organizations need to sit down face-to-face with them and say, you know, you really care about the dogs and we're trying to look after them. So if you help us, we can look after them better. So let's work together and see, can we help, can we raise more money to help them? And I think that's where, we're missing the trick. And while we have all of the tools out there, we have the online uh, pages, we have we have online fundraising pages and we have uh, loads of events and activities. It's the it's the organization sitting down with the with their um, prospective supporters and saying, Do you know what, if you want to own this cause, it is yours because you care about it. So you know, we're going to help you. We can facilitate you do that. But you go do it and you go and do whatever makes you happy and whatever your passion tells you to follow. Um, so I think in some ways there's loads of tools, but we're not using them right. Hmm. It's, that's the hard one there because um, it's it's kind of the status quo of – maybe not the status quo. I don't want to say that to offend anybody in working in charity because I'm there myself. But there there's a there's a significant need obviously – uh, in all sorts of charity, whether it's uh, animal care, whether it's fighting an illness, whether it's uh, malnutrition in in places abroad. I mean, you name it. There's even here in Houston, Texas, we got 
issues with human trafficking. And there's nonprofits here that go out, you know, constantly to, to fight this because, you know, Houston is um, really well known for that because we're an international airport. We have a lot of traffic coming through here already just, you know, from normal flows of life. But um, kind of got off track a little bit on uh, getting on my soapbox there for a second. But <laughs> <laughs> I guess the point I'm trying to make is that is that uh, trying to bring together um, some of the nonprofits that make these things possible, some of these charities, and then actually end people who want to own those causes, as you say, it seems like it's a, a far reach across the table. How? What are your thoughts on making that reach a little less short or a little shorter? Um, I guess it's understanding as a charity and I can, I can only speak for my own, which I'm very, I say we're very much in this space that the, the people who are supporting your organization are the, are, without them, you're nobody and you, you don't ha- you're not going to get the job done. So they already own the cause um and being afraid to let them take ownership of it now i'm not saying that they're going that they can you know literally you know take your brand and right. do what you want but it, it's okay like we get very worried up about whether oh they somebody wants to um use our logo on a poster and have we you know authorized that event properly and People are there aren't that many people out there to hurt you, and if we trust them and actually say, do you know what, we love you to put our logo, our logo on your poster. Maybe you could send us a copy of it just so we can make sure that it's okay. But you know, you go do that, and if you if you need us to do anything to help you, we're there behind you. And it's it's a little bit like that. I mean, to be able to say to someone again in a in a cancer context and it's obviously very very um particular but to be able to say somebody i don't know what it's like to have had cancer thankfully i haven't had that journey um so if you want to go talk about it because you have had cancer you should and you should feel proud to do it i'm not going to push you to do it but you should feel that you can do that and i think if organizations spent like thought a little bit more like that that uh our our supporters are our biggest asset they're not just um, a wallet to be um, tapped up every every time we need something. That, but if we actually said, you know what, we are nobody without our donors. Um, they are the, they are our voice in the community. They are the people who are going to go out and say how amazing the work we're doing is. So let's let them at it. Hmm. You uh, from uh, let's see what the site is. It, I believe it's your personal blog. You link out to. Uh, I think it might be a friend's blog, possibly Simon Scriver. He he runs a blog yeah. called Change Fundraising. Yeah. Um, there's a, quite a few posts that are pretty good there. I mean, he even goes back a couple of years in terms of some of the content he's talking about. But um, I, I'm, I guess I'm trying to get at not so much just like his particular thing, but it's a kind of a neat name, like Change Fundraising. It seems like potentially something's broken. Um in the way that we do fundraising, like you'd mentioned there, it's just not about tapping your supporters wallets because it's, it's that time of year or whatever. There's a way to give, uh, and you even said it before, which is owning your cause or being empowered. Yeah, I guess it's, it's, that's, that's it. I I think, um, I think to say fundraising is broken, I think would be too, would be too far, but it's, and it probably gets back to what I'm saying about the being a professional fundraiser. I think we've been a little bit 
it's almost we're afraid sometimes of of what we're of what we're doing. Um, you know, Dan Paletta talking about you know the um, bad overheads, and you know that we're afraid to say you know how much we spend on you know the electricity bill, um, rather than saying. Do you know what our cause is is taking 100 dogs off the streets and giving them good homes every year and we're going to do that to the best ability we can and we should be proud of it um so and i think that's definitely what simon as well is getting at and his he, you're right he, he does write a good blog and always has some kind of good commentary particularly on what's happening in ireland in the fundraising sector and it's just about um that attitude of like yeah like let's be let's be proud of what we do not be afraid um that we're fundraising because we know and we believe in the cause that we're doing but let's do it really really well you mentioned um i guess a little earlier in the show whenever we were talking about your beginnings at uh, the irish cancer society and your position there that um i'm not even sure if the guests got to hear the or the, the listeners got to hear this or not i think it might have been just before the show actually started so if you're listening on the podcast, it's before the proverbial record button was pressed. But uh, you'd, you'd mentioned that um, – so I guess to get to the point is that you've got this really cool new project that you just started not long ago called Charity Hack. And it kind of was born out of some of the experiences and obviously some of the the uh, the places you've been with um, the Relay for Life program and what you've learned there. What what was it that started this for you? What is this program about? Like, what is what is Charity Hack? Okay, yeah. Um, well, yeah. I got, I got from from where I came from. Um, for a while at the start of this year, I was traveling up and down every Tuesday uh, to a Relay for Life event committee. Um, that was it's, it's a it's a three hour train journey away. So I was coming home late on a Tuesday night from a meeting. Um, yeah, then it was that very much, I guess it was that romantic, it was a dark, cold night and the rain was hitting, <laughs> hitting, hitting the window of the train and you're kind of lonely and it's quiet. Um, and I just, I, I, I don't know, I just started thinking about some of the stuff that had been, had been going on and, um, around that time. You know, everybody knows that the, you know, the, the global economy is, is in trouble, but in Ireland things are really, really tough. Um, because we messed up our economy, and that's that's what that's what happens when we do that. But particularly for charities and the smaller charities, it's really really tough. Um, a lot of them might have had some state funding that's been cut because the government doesn't have it. So, um, as a large organization, it's quite common to have you know someone from a, a small organization again, like you know when whatever area picking up the phone and saying. You know, we're really struggling. Have you any ideas for us, or you know, any ideas how we might be able to raise some more money? And you know, and we 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 all we all try like to you know, you meet somebody for a coffee, you give them some ideas, but it always feels like there wasn't enough to do. To, to there wasn't, I wasn't able to give enough in that. And honestly, I'm not the best volunteer in the world either. So I'm really, I'm always one for saying I'll definitely volunteer to be part of that organization and I never quite get around to it. So that was weighing on my mind that there's all these charities out there with amazing causes. And even if they're a cause that I don't particularly care hugely about, that doesn't mean that they're not important. And I know that there's so many, there's just so many great causes out there. And so that was weighing on my mind. And then I was just reading through I was on my iPad, I can't remember what it was, but I was reading about a hack that some 
um, technology firm had done to build some websites. And I think that actually might have been for some nonprofits. I think that might have been the, the kind of trigger um, where you know, they'd basically taken a day and they'd got all their best developers in a room and they'd built some websites for um, some charities that needed new websites. And I guess a light bulb went off and I just kind of went, hold on a second, I've got an idea here. If we can do it with a website, a website is just a project. You know, it's a, you know, it's a start, a middle and an end and you get a product at the end. So why couldn't we do something very similar with fundraising campaigns? So the idea of Charity Hack is really came out of that. It was like, what if like I could get one charity in and I could get four or five, you know, friends that I know from around the, the fundraising sector to come in and we spend one day and let's just start from scratch and hopefully at the end of 12 hours we will have a fundraising campaign for them. And I went, well, that's an, an interesting idea. Let's see where it goes from that. So from that, um, I asked around to a couple of people, see if they thought it was a bonkers idea. Um, <laughs> most people thought it was, but most, but they also said, sure, what harm is it? You, you can put the word out there and if somebody comes, if a charity wants to do it, we'll do it. And if not, you know, no harm, no foul. So... That, so that it literally started from there. Um, I put out a couple of tweets, uh, kind of teasing tweets while I tried to figure out what I was going to say about, you know, charity hack is coming and um, keep tuned, keep, uh, you know, stay tuned. And then I went live through my blog um, saying, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take some charities. We're going to build a team of experts um, and we're going to bring you all in for 12 hours on one day and, you know, create campaigns. Um, and so that's what Charity Hack is. Um, I was completely bowled over. Um, over 30, I think 31 charities applied to be part of it, which in like 31 charities, I mean, it's, it's sounds like, a, I guess, a small number, but nobody knows me. So there's 31 charities who've never heard of Kevin Delaney um, just buying into this idea of that there is somebody out there and, you know, there's a group of people out there who want to help us and um, who get that, you know, there's, you know, that small charities or organizations that are going through, you know, a tough time could do a bit of, with a bit of help and that there is a group of people who are willing to say, you know, we have some skills that might help you. Um, so I say 31 charities um, applied and we have chosen five and we're going to see how it goes on 10th of August. So is um, is this local driven efforts or is this global driven efforts? Um, all of the um, organizations are um, Irish based. Okay, and they are all actually based. Um, they all actually work um, locally as well. Yeah, so there's none of them that are in international development. Um, but I think that's more coincidence. We did actually have some applicants from uh, that were involved in. Um, you know, global development and third world and things like that. So we did have those types of organizations applying, but the, the successful ones tend to be more, um, lo- they're, they're, they're more, they're Irish based, but actually, um, you know, looking after, um, you know, different kind of different local issues. So you, uh, you said you can only choose five and you had 31 apply. Um, I'm wondering how difficult it was to narrow that down to five and like what kind of problems did they express and what was the criteria for, for making the choice? Yeah, that was, um, 
that was possibly the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, one of the things, I guess, is when you set up something like Charity Hack, there is no criteria because there's no, it's no org- there's no organization. So there was no um, cutoff points. There was no guidelines because I was making up as I went along to some extent. So we got uh, the, the the criteria was um are you a non-profit organization that needs some help um with a fundraising campaign or something similar um and there was a small a short application form where the organizations had to tell us what they did uh tell us what their problem was and if they had any ideas of how we could help them so it was very short and to to choose the organizations i had uh it wasn't just myself it was um it was two others as well who were kind of on the i guess the executive panel or something um and what we said is okay we'll we'll share the 31 applicants and um, we'll all go off and we'll shortlist down to our five and see how we get on from there thinking we would have seven or eight and that Elise would get us somewhere. Um, so we came back together and we had 14 charities shortlisted, uh, which goes to show that they were, there, was, there was nothing between them. I, if I could have, I would have taken them all, but I would have needed you know, a thousand volunteers or something to, to try and help them all. Um, I cried um, sitting at my computer going through each application, going, well, how can I... Um, how can I turn down this charity and accept another charity? Like how, like there is nothing about this organization that is worse than another one. They all had amazing causes looking after, you know, people with depression, looking after, you know, kids in poverty, looking after, um, you know, sick children, um, environmental causes. And every one of them was just dripping with this passion of people. And you could hear it in the application that we are all, all, all we want to do is have enough money that we can do the work that we know that we know needs to be done. They, they weren't, there was none of the kind of, Oh, we need to repaint our office so that it's a more comfortable environment. It was like, our services are really important we're telling you that they're really important. You can see what their their cause was. And all we want to do is, you know, figure out a way to raise some money to keep the lights on. Um, it was heartbreaking. And I sat here at my right where I'm sitting right now at my computer um, with tears rolling down my cheeks and um, going, I don't know how I'm going to do this. So I, I can't really say how... They were finally... They were finally... The final five were picked other than it was... It was hard. Well, the good thing is, uh, I think, from that is that it seems like hopefully, you know, the execution you guys do on August 10th um, goes well. And, you know, this can turn out really well. And there's a there's a next time, you know, so it doesn't mean that they're out for good. It just means that it's kind of like, you know, reality TV shows, right? You didn't make the cut this time. Come back next season. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and hopefully that that's what will happen and, and that's and that's one of the exciting things about charity hack i guess is that i don't know where it's going to go um right like right now we're we're recruiting um hackers which are basically volunteers who are you know, experts in their field whether they're fundraisers or project managers designers things like that who are going to volunteer on the day but i don't know 
what's going to happen after the 10th of August. Can we do Charity Hack 2, as you say, with some of those other organizations, which would be amazing? And can we get a whole new set of volunteers or are people willing to give up another day of their life um, and all their creativity and passion that comes with it? We, it, I just don't know. And that's that's thrilling. And, and I, I do, I'm kind of really excited to know what happens. Like, can we make it work? Can we get these um, cool projects created for these charities? And then what happens next? Like, what do they, what are they going to do with them? And that's always, I guess, it's even more exciting because you're kind of saying, well, because I'm like, I'm not creating any ideas. We're going to put people in a room and these organizations are going to help create their own campaigns that they can own and they can bring back on. And on Monday morning, what are they going to do with that idea? Like, who, who's to say that the next great um, fundraising campaign isn't going to come out of that room and we'll all be talking about the, them like all over the world about this amazing organization in a small town and maybe the west of Ireland that's come up with an amazing campaign and they're doing stunning stuff for their cause and it's just the unknown it's just so exciting and yeah and then what happens after that and what where, where can charity hack lead will I mean who's to say that people might you know, take it on in the UK. We might see it in the US. Like, who knows? That's that's my. I think my question back to you is: um, rather than uh, be, uh, and I don't think that you're backing down from the unknown, but it's more like, what if you could paint a perfect picture of what the next uh, the next iteration of or the success of Charity Hack might be? What do you think it would be? What What do you want to happen with it? What's your vision? What's your dream? Uh, that's a that's a good that's a really good question, man. It's something that's actually been on my mind um, all week, and that's why I haven't been sleeping too well this week. Um, I don't know. I guess what I would what I really want to see is that I I want to show that it can be done. I think that I, I'd like to see it continue. I would like to see that charity hack as a a model that we can that I can kind of make it as you know I can package it in some way that other people can can follow on and that other organizations can benefit from it um it would be amazing to see you know charity hacks um popping up all over the world I don't know I think that might be a bit ambitious but why not I mean I, I think that's one of the great things because as fundraisers and as people working in the charity sector we see how much people give to to causes they care about, and if we care about causes in in themselves, and we care about fundraising, and we care about the charity sector, if we're willing to even to volunteer one day of our time every six months to give to other organisations, we're we're leading by example. We're showing the people who support our cause what we're that you know this is what you can do. Um, and wouldn't it be kind of cool if charity hacking itself became that type of movement where people are just saying you know what we're gonna we're not gonna wait for the next piece of uh, grant funding to come down from the government so we're not gonna um let these small charities die because you know they can't get noticed we're gonna help them get noticed so i guess i'd like to see it growing and I'd like to see a future in it but i don't know how that's going to happen or whether it will be whether i'll be involved in it or whether it'll have its own life um it's just gonna ha- we're just gonna have to wait and see so you mentioned that the the hackers as you say so some in the community might know hackers as someone who programs but i think in your case you're kind of uh we're bending s- the term a bit it. yeah <laughs> you're making an extended version of what hacker means i suppose yeah basically it's 
in in the computer industry or whatever, it's an expert coder or right. programmer. So I just I just stole that idea, being that they're experts, they're expert fundraisers. So I think currently um, I've got like eight or nine professional fundraisers who are working, who have like loads of years of experience in all sorts of organizations, big and small. And I'm also then we're also supplementing that with people who have some web design skills or have done marketing, journalists, basically people who've got specific. Yeah. So that when we're in the room and we have come up with, oh, we've got this great idea for an event, but we need to write some copy for it. Well, we've got a journalist in the room who can then write the copy there and then and has that expertise. So the idea being that we, that, that we will have that energy flow and we will have people there literally kind of bouncing off each other saying, well, I've seen this work. Let's drag the guy over who's done some web design work. Can you do something here? And in, in if it all goes to plan, that energy and that kind of just group of different ideas and different um, talents will just kind of feed off each other and get the job done. Yeah, I'm wondering, besides obviously doing something good, what uh, you know, what it is that you are currently using for motivation for these hackers? Like, what is it that gets them to give up? I think it's 12 hours, right? Not 24, it's 12 hours? Yeah, it's 12 hours. Um, do you know, I, I, that's, I don't know. Um, I haven't, it's one of the things, that, there's been very few people that I've asked specifically uh, to get involved. And the people I have asked specifically are just because they're friends of mine who I knew they had the skills. Um, but people want to get involved, I guess. You know, it might be cliche, but people who work in the charity sector, they have good hearts and they really care about people um, and causes. And I guess the same as with all jobs, that sometimes, you know, you can be... Do, you can do in your your day to day job, and you can really enjoy that. But there's always the admin, and there's always the the you know the boring stuff that goes with that. Whereas charity hack is almost we're trying to, I guess we get to avoid that to some extent because we're just going to get in and do the work. Um, and maybe that's the appeal for for people to actually say, do you know what, I'm actually just going to get to use all my experience, all the knowledge I've got. I don't have to write a report for the board afterwards or I don't have to do an analysis so that I'm just going to get there and put everything I've got into delivering the best campaign. So other than, so like, I, I think that maybe is what's got them excited, that it's something new, that it's something different, that it's something they can put their passion to. But I don't know. I mean, may, I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe they just like the, the tweets that I was sending out or something. Yeah. Well, you got, uh, it seems like you got 11 hackers so far, right? Is that, uh, that's the current count? There's 11 announced and there's another, there's, there's still more to come. I don't like, I don't want to kind of send them all out um, in one go. So um, I've about another four or five confirmed and I'm hoping to have 25 by, by the day. Um, so that there'll be kind of five working on each of the five projects. So that's, okay. that's, that's the goal. We'll be, we'll be there or thereabouts. Um, um, so, so, so far we've announced 11 and if anyone, um, ha- has a chance to check out the, it's just the, the variety of experience and the talents of these people is just unbelievable. Yeah. I was, uh, looking over those now and you, you mentioned the projects and you've got five projects. So you're breaking, uh, you're breaking the teams up into five and yeah. then, so basically five per, per, per project, right? Yeah, basically it will be, um, there will be a project manager working with each charity, so if you imagine, so there'd be 
a, a project manager who'll be a professional fundraiser um, because they'll know that they'll know the pitfalls and that kind of thing. So there'll be them. They'll have the the one or two representatives of the charity be working, and then we'll give them you know an, another say three or four people um, working as a team. So there'll be a team of you know six seven people just focused on that one project for the day. But I'm also want to I will be really encouraging the fact that we will drag people from one team into another just because we know. Oh well, um, Mike has got some you know corporate ex- corporate fundraising experience. So let's drag him from the team he's working on over to a different team just because we need to hear his perspective on a certain idea. So it's going to be very fluid, but it will really be you know team f- like five teams of whatever six or seven people you know, with their heads down for twelve hours working through a I guess a, a standard to some extent, project plan. You know, we, we will be doing it thoroughly, so we will want to look at the strengths and weaknesses of the organisation, what like what resources do they have, whether, um, obviously, none of them have financial resources because that's not the business we're in, but they've got people, they've got volunteers, so what, what, what kind of resources can they put into a project so that we, when that charity goes back into the office on Monday, that they're able to say, well, here's the plan that we've got and this is what we're going to do. And we know we came to this because we've been through a rigorous process of looking at ourselves and saying, well, we know we've got 10 hours of a volunteer's time a week that we can put into this program and that we have someone designated as their supervisor and there's a small budget for it so that when so that there's some solidity behind the idea. So when you say campaign, can you give me an idea of because I know some people might think, oh, it's it's a you know Kickstarter, for example, to do some sort of online thing to raise funds, and you've got numbers of backers, or or even like pure charity where we have projects and fundraisers you can support. Is it is that what you mean by campaign, or do you mean something like you'd mentioned earlier is kind of a, a joke of somebody sitting in a vat of beans for their <laughs> cause? I mean, what what are we talking about when we talk about campaigns? I think we're think we're talking about both. Um, it, that's and that's one of the big. That's one of what's going to be one of our big challenges is that we have to look at each organization and make the campaign something that suits them. There are like there are there are some of the organizations that are quite big and that maybe they could roll out a um, a corporate partnerships campaign with you know in throughout Dublin. Or they could get, you know, do some sort of Kickstarter campaign type event, like to fund a particular project that they're working on. But they might be a really small organization who literally is maybe a a husband and wife and their office is their front room and they can't, they wouldn't be able to do that. So we need to use our skill to figure out what can they do that works for them? Because it's all, I mean, we've all been to those conferences where um, a, a fundraising fundraiser gets up and talks about this amazing online campaign that they ran and it only cost $150,000 to get off the ground. And and you know that everyone in the room is sitting there going, yeah, well, that's not me. So I'm really really clear on the fact that it has to suit the organization. So you've got some of the projects, and I guess when you say projects too, you mean uh, charities. You've got some of the charities already selected, uh, you got four listed on your site, and you've even got uh, kind of a, a gist of what they're about. You got Act for Meningitis Care After Prison, uh, Voice of Irish Concern for the Environment, Rainbows Ireland, and the final to be announced. Have you kind of 
how to, have you already begun to identify what the problem is and what the solution might be? Or is that, does that come the day of? Um, yeah, I, I've kind of started like the, the, the charities have highlighted their problems in their application and, um, in the next the next week or so, I will be kind of go, going back out to them again and getting them to do a bit more kind of research um, on um, you know what other organisations are in your area. To tell us some campaigns that you've seen that you think might work for you. You know, just that general kind of getting knowledge of what they know. Um, but from their applications. I have a hunch of what type of what type of solution might work for them, but I don't want to preempt it because again, it's a, when you get in the room, it might turn out that what the we think is the is the problem isn't really the problem. So I've got a good idea of what their problems are, and that's one of the things where I, where I have to make sure that the hackers have the skill levels to help them. Um, but I'm still not a hundred percent sure, and it's gonna it's gonna be that Saturday morning at 9 a.m. when we kind of all, when each of the charities gets up and in two minutes explains to the group, this is our problem and we need help. So I guess when we kind of peel back the layers a little bit, you've got 25 hackers from diverse backgrounds bringing their skill set and, and volunteering for that day. What yeah. is the role that you play? Do you kind of play, you know, chief professional fundraiser? What what is your what is the facilitation of you in the picture of twenty five people and these five charities and the solution you're gonna deliver? Uh I guess my job will be to keep it all on, on track. I um as I said, I'm kinda of building the, the days, so the building the twelve hours. So we'll it will be broken down into one hour segments or ninety minute segments so that we can keep the momentum going. So it might be all right, guys, in the first 60 minutes, what you need to identify is, you know, the root cause of the problem, what are the core resources of the organization, and what is, you know, what is the ask that they're currently using or so, you know, those type of things. So they'll be kind of set, you know, we're breaking it down into Lego blocks, so like let's hour by hour. So that will be my job to kind of go around and keep people on track Um and to and to to not allow um, it was us to kind of get into mediocrity or to accept as as a saying that good enough is not good enough just because we only have twelve hours. I'm really really passionate about making sure that we get the absolute best results. So I'll be asking the questions of you know why should I care? You know you might have a really great um, event designed. But if I'm a supporter, why do I care about this? Why should I bother buying a ticket for that event? And they're the questions that I'll be asking um, to force the teams, to force the groups into digging deep. Um, and maybe I'll have to kind of do a bit of, uh, maybe I'll have to do a bit of cheerleading as well. So I'm kind of, as when people get tired around hour nine or 10 and things, energy begins to wane, I guess that's going to be my job as well to try and, keep that energy level up but i've never done it before either so i've never done anything for 12 hours straight so it's all it's going to be new so um yeah i guess it's just to keep it on track so for the listeners listening to the show now both live and on the podcast here probably next uh next couple of days or in the next weeks um you know obviously this is a localized in ireland uh in dublin island so you're either there personally uh, or you're not. But for those listening that are like, man, I love this idea. And 
what can the general public, I guess, globally do to support, to uh, cheer you guys on? What is it that you can ask of, uh, I guess, the general people listening to the show and others that are that can't quite be there personally? Well, um, I guess one thing, the first thing is to, um, I mean, if you, if you want to follow the blog uh, and just connect with us, because, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting motivated by the feedback I'm getting from people around the world. So it's, it's kevmagic.blogspot.com or .ie, um, or you'll get me on Twitter at kevmagic. So I would really love people to kind of, you know, give me their ideas you know, share what they've done, you know, just give, give that kind of feedback is giving me the energy to kind of keep pushing on. And there is also, because I'm a fundraiser, there is actually a list of uh, requirements that um, we need for the hack because this is a completely voluntary um, project. So everything that um, we need from paper to uh, markers to you know, pizza for the day all needs to be sponsored. So if there's anybody that'd like to make a, you know, to make to fund the pizza to keep the hackers going at um, in hour nine or ten, we would certainly appreciate that too. And again, that's on the blog, so it's kevmagic.blogspot.ie, um, and you can see the list of things that we need. It's not very exhaustive, but if someone really feels that um, it's something they'd like to help with, um, I'd be certainly happy to hear from you. Yeah, well, definitely. Uh, so for those listening, we'll have that in the show notes for sure. Um, you can go there now if you're listening live, though. But uh, you got you got markers or sharpies, so I'm not sure if you have a bias <laughs> or not. Uh, t-shirts, I guess you're doing some tees. Maybe uh, those out there that uh, are championing the t-shirts, either Cotton Bureau or uh, Threadbird, possibly. I'm not sure if there's any. I'm not sure of any uh, t-shirt providers or printers there in Ireland. But you got biscuits and. Uh, a big countdown clock that seems to be kind of crucial and then you we mentioned uh AJ Leon earlier I met him yeah. at uh at uh at Lesconf and kind of heard his story and he he bought the beer for the after party so that's yeah, that's I nice think that, right that's a very AJ thing to do I think he yeah. for the beer so yeah I I figured that you know it it is Ireland and we do have a reputation but they're not going to be allowed to drink for the entire um, the entire hack but maybe the last 30 minutes we might just uh, open a couple of beers just to kind of get them through, get them across the finish line so and AJ and uh, his his crew at the Misfits have offered to sponsor that so that was that's hugely appreciative so but it, you know it's, it's anything people can do or, and if, if people just say hey I really would just want to you know send some messages to the hackers or whatever like I'm happy to – whatever people want to do, um, I'm happy to hear from them. So I guess the point of that question too, a little side note there, was that this is obviously fundraising, right? So is the idea to come up with a campaign in the 12 hours and launch it Monday morning or is it to kind of campaign during those 12 hours? That's kind of what I mean because it seems like you might grab a following of people kind of uh, you know, clinging to, your, to your, uh, your tribe here and what you're doing and that can actually become part of – uh, some of the solutions. I mean, even though we're not living there, maybe all of us there in, in Dublin, that we can at least uh, support you in what you're doing, whether it's this list here that helps you make the day possible or actually contributing funds to the causes you're you're campaigning for. Yeah, well, I, I think, yeah, that, that would be phenomenal. The, um, the, we won't be actually campaigning on the day. This, we're at the, the day itself is a creation, is, is to create. So ideally... Um, Monday morning, these organisations will be going back into their to their office and saying, "Okay, this is this is the idea we have, or this is the as you say, this is the Kickstarter, or this is the 
um, the event that we're going to run and they will then be out looking for, um, they'll be looking to raise money and they'll be fundraising. I will certainly be be helping um, them as much as I can to promote that. So um, any of your listeners, again, who kind of follow the Twitter or their blog, whatever, they will hear about what happens next to these amazing charities and, you know, they will certainly have the opportunity to support and, and again, and, it, and they can pick the cause that, that matters most to them. Um, so that opportunity will definitely be there. And, um, and, and, and that's, that's, again, that's just so exciting. Like what a, what a, what a cool opportunity and what, what like to that we just don't know what's going to happen that these organizations may have a, a global following. Who knows? Yeah, they might. Yeah. That's, that's kind of cool. Though. I mean, to, to get to that point and, and, uh, be able to do that. You mentioned a Twitter account. Um, now I know you as Kev Magic on Twitter. Is there a, a charity hack Twitter that I'm not aware of? There isn't. No, I there people have used the phrase charity hack for other stuff, so I I can't use the charity hack. I can't have a charity hack Twitter account. So um, Kev Magic, it's easy to remember, and that's everything will be through there. Yeah, because I think I originally went to Charity Hack on Twitter, and I was like, "Oh, this is kind of neat," but it's in the UK. That's not Dublin. What's? Yeah, I wasn't they, sure. Yeah, they were kind of doing it again. It was a technical thing. They were doing websites and stuff for charities, uh, so it was more back in that kind of thing. So, gotcha. yeah, my idea is original, but I I need a better name, I guess. I I like the name. I just yeah, it's sometimes. <laughs> I mean. Right there's there's so many people in this world right we're we're in the billions not millions of people in this world so I mean you're gonna have collisions of ideas and names um, exactly. that, that kind of happens you know yeah let's not be precious about it yeah so there's a there's one question I always ask at the tail end of the show uh, too but I think in your case it's it doesn't quite make sense to ask that one which is what's on the horizon that no one knows about I think we kind of discussed everything people should know about what you're doing with Charity Hack and uh, maybe even how they can get involved or learn more about either the American Cancer Society or Irish Cancer Society or, you know, XYZ Cancer Society, wherever you live at, if there is one for you. But um, the question I'd like to ask is, um, who is your, um, who is a founding hero, a founder hero, a maker, an idea person, somebody that uh, has inspired you, has somebody who's driven uh, you, somebody, maybe somebody who's been a, a mentor to you, who's, who's someone you can name on the show? Wow. Oh, okay. Um, I guess my, I guess, yeah, I do have a hero. Um, I have a hero, which is, um, professor Sir Joseph Rockblatt, which is, is a, an odd name and it's a physicist, but, um, professor Rockblatt worked on the Manhattan project oh. uh, during world war two. And, um, when he found out that the uh, Germans had stopped wanting to build the atomic bomb, he quit and said, we don't need it, and walked away from the, you know, obviously, which was the biggest technological, like, you know, adventure of, of the age. And as a, as a leading physicist, to be part of it, to actually turn your back on it because he didn't believe it was right. Um, and he walked away from that and set up the, the Pugwash Conference, which spreads you know the 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 message of you know no nuclear um you know weapons and stuff around the world and he won the nobel peace prize and i had the opportunity to meet him um maybe 10 or 15 years ago um, and he's now passed so i guess he is my founding hero because he he founded the pugwash conference which is basically scientists doing what they should do and do no harm and i like that he you know that he i like 
people who stand up for what they believe in, whether you believe in what they believe in or not, that's that's kind of irrelevant. But the fact that he was willing to risk his whole career, his whole reputation and turn his back on something because he didn't believe it was right, um, that he's my hero. That's awesome, man. And you were able to recount a lot of that. So, I mean, that must be pretty close to your heart too because, I mean, I can't always rehash <laughs> details like that. But, you you know, you got, you got names and <laughs> times and all these different things correct. That's pretty cool. So it must be really important yeah that's that's a, a unique uh founding hero too to mention on the show I, I don't think i've uh gotten that one yet obviously but that's it's cool it's not someone i'd ever heard of before like i, I met him through through so like it was through a conference we were running and he was a guest of honor so i didn't know anything about him until as i said i got an opportunity to hear him speak and, and then met him so um yeah he's yeah sir so joseph rothblatt yeah it's well worth looking up We'll make sure we put that in the show notes as well. I I know that Wikipedia is pretty deep, so I'm sure I'll find You'll something find. Uh, on him there. I'm on the Manhattan Project page now, but I didn't see anything so far. But I'll make sure I find something and link it up. And if you find a link, let I'll me know it, as I'll well. I'll send it to you, yeah. Uh, so before we sign off, um, maybe give a shout-out to some different places people can go. I know they've been listening and kind of tuning into what you're doing and how they can kind of take part, maybe even kind of monitor uh, the heartbeat of the future of Charity Hack and what you're doing with it. Where can people go? You mentioned a blog earlier. You got your Twitter. Where else can people kind of uh, stay in tune for what's going on between now and, I guess, August 10th? Yeah, well, well, they are they are the two places. So the, the blog, which is kevmagic.blogspot.com, and my Twitter, which is at kevmagic. And there is a charity hack website, but it's on a it's a Wix.com site, so it's hard to get to remember the the actual URL. But you'll get there's a link to it on the blog. So anyone who wants to know anything about charity hack, they'll find it on uh, the kevmagic.blogspot um, blog. Everything goes there. All right, awesome. Yeah, you definitely. And then we'll we'll also make sure we link up the charity hack needs uh, list as well. That way, in between now and then, if people want to kind of do some contributing or whatnot they can so that's that's pretty cool but uh yeah man kevin it's it's been great having this chat with you i, I really appreciate your heart for uh for you know professional fundraising and the work you've done with american or i guess not american cancer society but irish cancer society and and the work you're doing here with uh charity hack i think it's super cool and definitely a great idea i hope that uh this is successful for you and i hope that you find a way to um, you know, spread this idea elsewhere throughout the world so that, um, you know, we can do this community fundraising and this community involvement. I think it's definitely where things begin is, as locally globally is always great as well, but, um, you know, bringing it local is, is definitely good. But uh, I want to thank you for being on the show. Thanks to listeners for listening. Um, we do broadcast every Wednesday at 5 o'clock Central Standard Time right here on 5 by 5 Next week's guest has yet to be named, but it will be a good one just like this week's. Uh, Until then, we're going to sign off. Bye-bye.